my fellow heathens, this is your host, the world's most highly educated stand-up comedian, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Come on into the heathen pool and have a dip. We're all heathening around and you can join us. This is my podcast. It is documenting my journey into the wild and weird world of religious satire. This is season two, and season two I've been on a mission to uh, expand some of the topics covered to other critical thinking skills, things happening in the world, and different guests and interview guests and uh, some Q&A episodes and some live streaming and a YouTube channel. So we're really trying to expand our outreach and uh, build a larger community. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming out to today's episode. Today's episode is right in line with that uh, mission statement for season two, because I'm so excited to have on as, a, as our guest today from the Center for Inquiry, whether well, a research fellow, Ben Radford, who's an expert on investigating many odd and or paranormal incidents and situations and urban legends. And he is uh, one of their experts on UFOs. And we're recording this episode in the middle of July 2021. And anyone who's been paying attention the past couple of weeks has seen a spike in interest in UFOs. So we're going to get into that here. I'm going to uh, set this up, tee it up, and then I'll get over to our interview. Helping me out with this interview is a very good friend of mine, guest co-host, comedian out of Columbus, Jesse Pimpinella. Hey, Jesse, thank you so much. So I'm going to bring Jesse on in a couple of minutes, and then me and Jesse will do our interview with Mr. Ben Radford. Before we get into that, I'll do a couple of announcements here. You know, we are trying to expand our social media reach. We added a YouTube channel. All episodes of The Comical Heathen are available for free on uh, The Comical Heathen YouTube channel, so check that out. We do also have a donate button. This is a completely ad-free labor of love. So if you have the opportunity to make a small donation, look for a link in the description of the show notes. Also, you know, this is uh, for fun and for uh, outreach. So please, you know, share. You know, if you tell two friends and they tell two friends, math tells me that that's seven people who will know about the show. So, you know, be part of the seven. And um, one particular announcement, one part of the Comical Heathen program is I've been developing a live show, which was in development in 2019 and then got put on hold uh, due to the very serious circumstances of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, that is starting to gear up again. I did a performance here in the Cleveland area near where I live in May, and that performance was recorded to be part of the virtual Kansas City Fringe Festival. So, no matter where you are in the world, if you're interested, you can see the video of, of this performance. It's with the Kansas City Fringe. I'll put a link down in the description. Tickets are on sale now through the whole month of July. And then the festival has like a portal where you can see the videos of all of the shows. And so that portal will be open from July 18th to August 1st. Consider checking that out. It is $10 tickets. The festival shares 75% of the ticket revenue with the artists in question. So they are running the festival to support the artists. And I will point out, there's about 60 different performing arts groups, including dance, theater, and so on. So consider getting a festival pass, and that will allow you to see multiple shows at a lower rate. So uh, anyway, that's something you might consider checking out. The Comical Heathen Live show is part of the Kansas City Fringe Virtual Festival. And uh, I'm putting together some dates, uh, but you know I'll announce those both on future episodes of the podcast as well as, you know, on the website and Facebook and so on. So watch out for other uh, dates as the year unfolds for the Comical Heathen live show. So where did this um, spike in UFO interest, sightings, activities, 
news media chatter. Where did this come from? The 12 people who listen to this podcast know that often when I'm about to kick off a monologue or a rant, I start with a news article that I respond to. And there's actually a theme that goes all the way back to season one, episode one, is that uh, journalists treat religious news stories and supernatural news stories and conspiracy theory news stories. Often, often they treat it as fluff news. So it doesn't really get like hard hitting journalism or isn't taken very seriously. And I've shown many examples of that over the couple of years of this podcast. And that's actually is almost like a meta topic for this UFO coverage. I'm going to put a couple things together here. So the epicenter of all of this is actually June 25th. What happened on June 25th is that the U.S. government, particularly the Department of National Intelligence, issued an, a, what it was called an unclassified report on what the Department of Defense calls UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And this was a much anticipated report. UFO enthusiasts thought it was going to be like the tell-all moment. And it, it was really, when June 25th came about, the report was a big nothing. And there's not really anything in it. it. At most, it's like a description of the fact that sometimes pilots see things and they don't know what those things are and really it needs more investigation. It's not anything more sensational than that. There's no alien autopsies. There's no secret alien technology. And, you know, this got like landed two different ways. You know, the skeptical community in general, I would say, said, yeah, that's probably what we expected them to say. <laughs> that's that is what UFOs are. Objects that are up in the sky, flying, levitating, or otherwise, and they're unidentified. They're not, it's not synonymous with little green men from outer space. On the other hand, the UFO enthusiasts were like excited, like here's some unclassified stuff, here's a report, here's the government taking us seriously. So it's almost like, again, those two separate realities that get talked about so much uh, in recent times. On top of that, it got covered by the news, right? So like every New CNN and NBC and Fox and whatever covered the report. And that pushed it into the headlines and pushed it into people's imaginations. You know, I'm, I'm sure that'll go over just fine, right? Nothing would go wrong with the media doing their fluffy coverage. There was a, I was looking up articles because there were a bunch of them. So I'll include a couple in the links down below, including a link to the report itself, if you want to take a look at it. So it's publicly available now. But I don't have like a, a article. But I do have an article that stood out to me because it really captures, like, if I could say one thing about this topic, and that was an article that went back to 2008, um, you know, because I collect a lot of these articles, and this is the one that I globbed onto to make this point. There's an article from 2008 about an emergency call in Wales, and in Wales, the emergency number is 999. In the U.S., it's 911. Other countries have different three-digit codes, but it was an emergency call. And an emergency call was an unnamed man. You know, I don't know why anyone felt like they needed to protect this man's anonymity. But this man called, again, 999 in Wales, and the call's recorded. And this is what he called, you know, emergency for. Here's the man. I'm not going to try to do a Welsh accent. Uh, it's a beautiful accent. It's also, I'm not even sure Welsh people do a Welsh accent. I think they're making it up as they go along. But here's what he said. I just need to inform you that across the mountain, there's a bright stationary object. The control room agent said, right? And the caller says, 
if you've got time, you should go find out what it is. It's been there for at least half an hour, and it's still there. And the uh, control room asks him, is it actually on the mountain or is it in the sky? And the caller says, oh, it, it's in the air. Curl, okay, we'll send someone to check it out. A few minutes later, the control room was on the call with an officer that they sent to the scene. And the control room asked the officer, hey, did anyone have a look at this object in the sky? The officer says, yes, it's the moon over the moon. The moon. International man of science, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and other uh, magazines and newspapers that do lists of common causes of UFO sightings. And the moon is on these lists, people. Now, we're going to get into this, uh, the moon factor being a, a, a common UFO object with Ben. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But what I want to do for a second is channel this guy. Who was this guy? And they tell us nothing about this guy. I mean, you might even be assuming that this guy's got to be like drunk or out of his mind or has issues of some kind. I'm not assuming any of that. I'm assuming uh, a, let's say, relatively normal, sober dude. And this normal, sober dude, what did he do? He looked up in the sky and he saw something. And he did not know what it was. And his thought, his reaction, his gut reaction, his brain trying to apprehend and comprehend and discern a mystery just screamed at him, what the fuck is that? And that is very human. That is universal. We have all seen just stuff that for a second our brain couldn't figure out or for a second or for a lifetime. What the fuck is that? And that's, I want to, to use that moving forward. Traditionally, we say UFO, unidentified flying object. And we know what that should mean. Words mean things. All three of those words mean something. This new government report uses UAP. I don't know why government, Washington, D.C., alphabet soup, but it's similar. <laughs> Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Those words still mean things, even if they are tainted with a kind of bureaucraties. But I, I don't want to play alphabet soup. I want to play human nature. I want to play the emotional animal. And I want to call these UWTFOs. Unidentified, what the fuck is that object? That's what it is. Because I feel like if we can uh, have that gut punch of the feeling behind it, of the, of the mental shock, of the mystery, then we also can not uh, uh, jump to little green men from outer space. It's perfectly natural to go, what the fuck is that? Oh my God, what is that? It, when uh, Ben and I are talking with Jesse, we each share a WTF moment that we had. Me and um, Ben have UFO stories to share. And Jesse has a Bigfoot story to share. And that's what I think it, we need in this conversation. Not only to make it more human, like this caller had a human experience. Uh, yeah, a kind of easy to mock and ridiculous human experience. And his experience is actually uh, wasteful of public resources, right? Because the 999 caller had to field that call and a police officer had to go out and uh, investigate that call. So that's actually like taxpayer money as well as resources that should be 
spent on real emergencies. And so that there are real world effects for these moments and for these conversations. I mean, imagine the writing of this report, the June 25th report. People in the government had to spend taxpayer money, taxpayer time, taxpayer resources to generate this report. And you know what? Reports are good, actually. I don't mind that this report exists, but we should just be aware that there are real world, you know, practical effects on the community, on the government, on the military, and so on. The other benefit or change that I'm hoping by calling these unidentified what the fuck is that object objects, UWTFOs, uh, trademark, Jerry C. Joffe, the comical heathen, is to drive home the it's it's we're not being visited by transcendental aliens uh, with advanced technology that's so freaky deaky freakadelic. It's not alien technology. It's as simple as weird angles or surprising vistas or unexpected combinations of lights and shadows can cause us to go, what the fuck is that? So with that mission in, in mind and that uh, attitude uh, motivating me, let us turn our attention towards my actual interview here. Now, of course, Jesse, my co-host, is a good old friend of mine. We've done tons of comedy shows together, and I'm glad to have him on this podcast any chance I get. Ben is my new friend. I reached out to CFI to ask if someone there would come on our podcast and talk UFOs with us, and they hooked me up with Ben. So thank you so much. Uh, people at CFI as well. Paul Fidalgo, their communications director, put me in contact with Ben. Thank you, Paul. While Ben and I were talking before we started recording our actual interview and conversation, it turned out that we have like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon moment. We have a friend who has been on this podcast previously a couple times, and Ben has been on his podcast. And I'm talking about the hilarious comedian out in L.A., critical and thinking, Ian Harris. So it was a real, like, you know, uh, two degrees of separation, right? We just both know him, and we just randomly turned out to know him. And Ben just randomly brought him up. I, I mean, I love Ian, but I wasn't thinking about Ian until Ben brought him up. Then Jesse said that he knows Ian completely separate from both of us because Jesse's down in Columbus, and Ian performs in Columbus. He'll come out and do the funny bone there. So we all three, independent of each other, knew Ian Harris. And Ian Harris... If you get into this world of um, skepticism slash comedy, is a kind of god to us. Ian has a, a joke. He's he's like a god to us. No one believes in him. Um, it's a besides being a witty turn of phrase though. Uh, he he is well known. He's well connected. He knows everybody. So I got Ian on the phone and dug a rant out of him. I've had some rants during season two from friends who phoned in. So since Ian was like an unofficial mascot of this episode. Before throwing to the interview, let's hear what Ian wants to rant about. Uh, cue my old-timey telephone. Hey, everybody. What's up? It's comedian Ian Harris here. Um, you know, I wanted to get this off my chest because... I want to say, I'm not sure if other people think this way or if it's just me. And I have this weird thing when I meet religious people or when I meet um, people who are like, uh, uh, you know, conspiracy theorists and this sort of stuff. I have this immediate, and I know they're not all dumb. I, I know that. I know there's some smart people that get tricked into stuff. And it's a weird bias. And I'm not, I try to be a nice person. I'm really not trying to be a mean person. But I automatically laugh out loud in my head, if that makes sense. Like, I want to laugh out loud in my head. I'm going to go, if someone says, 
that people say stuff like, well, God this, or, well, in the afterlife, or, or, you know, or, well, you know, if you just shake a chicken bone and eat some echinacea, you're, 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 I want to go, bah, like laugh in the face. Like, does everybody else want to do that? Like, sometimes I do. Sometimes I laugh uncontrollably and people are like, wow, what a dick. But it seems so absurd to me. You somehow can tie your shoes and you can drive a car and you manage to get the fork into your mouth without poking your eye out. Yet you believe in a magical sky daddy, or, or you believe that, that Donald Trump won the election and it's all rigged and he's going to take over as the 19th president of Jeebus, uh, Topia on May, March 4th or whatever the hell you think. These goofy, you think that, that chemtrails and, and yeah, and they, they, all the, you, the world's airlines, they, they, they put the, the stuff in these, my bird is going crazy. He doesn't even like it and spraying and then you get into the groundwater and you turn into a zombie and it's like, Oh, the vaccine. You take the vaccine and then Bill Gates. How do you not laugh at these people? How do you not laugh in their faces? It's, I, mean, I, I don't want to be mean. I, I know that these people are nice people. I'm sure some of them are great, you know, uncles and aunts and friends and sisters and brothers and whatever. It's because if you did something, if it's something you don't believe, if I said to you, you know, if you were just like a Christian or maybe you were a QAnon person and I said, yeah, you know, next week I'm getting a new unicorn. Uh, they're delivering the unicorn and it's, it's going to be, it's pink. It's really great. And um, it's hair doesn't have hair. It's mane is actually cotton candy. So I eat cotton candy and I rock. Sometimes it can fly. It's you would be like mm-hmm, looking for a way out. And if and and you might have a hard time containing yourself. That's how I feel when you're like, well, God has a plan. Yeah, great plan. Look around you. Um, so I, I also I wonder people find hit me up. I'm on I'm on social media. Ian Harris. It's comedioker is at comedioker. Um, my podcast, Critical Thinking with Ty Barnett and Ian Harris. Uh, come on. I'd love to know what you think about that. Do you do you? Do you just want to laugh at people when they say ridiculous stuff? And how do you stop yourself from doing it? And are you justified? Because again, if my pink cotton candy uh, unicorn, if I really believe that, you, you should laugh at me. You should laugh at me. And that was Ian getting something off his mind. Thank you so much, Ian Harris. I was glad I was able to include that clip and make you an official member of this podcast episode, not just the mascot. All right, so we're here to talk about UFOs. We're here to talk about UFOs with Ben Redford. Well, this is your host, Dr. Jerry Joffe, back, and it is my pleasure to bring on today's episode's special guest co-host, one of my best comedy buddies, comedian coming to us from Columbus, Ohio, Jesse Pimpinella. Jesse, how, how are you? How are you doing? I'm excited for this, man. I feel, I feel like this is the only time I could be smart, but they... But then I get corrected by smarter people. I wasn't just wrong. I had a learning moment. And that's the difference. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can hear. We'll slap some sense into you before this episode's over. There you go. Jesse, have you ever seen a UFO? No, I haven't seen a UFO. I had other sightings. Like, I think I saw Bigfoot one time. But I don't want to get into that. <laughs> you never looked up at the sky and said, what the fuck is that object? A UWTFO? I... Come on. I listen. U- UAP... Uh, UFO, I remember when it was UFO. Then it's like UAP now. I'm I'm changing it now. If you're going to keep changing it, I'm going to change it. Worldly aerial phenomenon. Wow. All right. We're going to call it that now. Okay. Get That's a wow. Yes. I'm like, oh, that's a wow. That's a wow. You know, that's what I'm going to do from now on. 
Wait, for, I, love, for, I love when people listen to this and that song is no longer uh, popular and everybody's like, is he doing an Italian slur? What's going yes, on? Yes, that's what here? it sounds like, actually. So I want <laughs> everyone to know Jesse is Italian. So that's a self-deprecating humor right there. Don't bother writing in. You know, yeah. he's, he's doing it to himself, not to anyone else. <laughs> so regarding uh, aliens, I mean, for me, I've never seen, I've never seen anything up in the sky and maybe I'm not right. looking because I'm afraid of what I will find. And if aliens yeah. <laughs> do exist, if aliens right. do exist, or, 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 there, or, or there is technology beyond us, I should right. say, because it's, because all we know right. is there's possibly some type of floating out there. But if, right. let's just stick with the aliens real quick. If there is aliens, why in the hell would they want to come here? Why? Right. Exactly. They're, they're the way moose, more advanced than us. Or the Are moose tracks. For the moose tracks, Jesse. There's somewhere else yeah, you're going to get moose tracks in this galaxy. You you remember those those uh, messing with Sasquatch beef jerky commercials? Yes. I yes. feel like we're Sasquatch, and they're the kids just messing with us. Well, know? there's an old sci-fi saw that any technology sufficiently advanced would appear to be magic. So in a way, if you look at something and think that it's technology, it's already not magical anymore. Like you already kind of know what it is. So it's almost like a self-defeating paradox in a sense. Because if it was really was super powerful aliens who could transcend dimensions, it would be magic to us, not what's that weird ship or what's that weird light, if, if you see what I mean. But that's what I mean. They might just be trying to screw with us. You know what oh, I mean? right, because like, they're messing. Yeah, because we're the... They're, they're looking at us like a bunch of simpletons. Like, you know, one of them's flying. They're going light speed. We can't see them. And you have the one guy's like doing donuts in our sky to mess with us. Yeah. We're like, oh, <laughs> we're like freaking out. Well, like, Jesse, on um, June 25th, 2021, our U.S. government issued a report and uh, started some brouhaha. We're recording this in mid-July for reference to anyone who is involved. First of all, whenever the government or politician makes a statement about UFOs, there's more UFO sightings after. So there has been a surge in interest in sightings since June 25th. And I thought, I'm trying to slap some sense into you, Jesse, but I'm thought it would be good for our conversation to bring on a true bona fide expert to slap sense into all of us. I agree. So I contacted the CFI. I want to tell you real quick before I get directly to the guest, what I found online, because I follow the CFI pretty regularly, is that they had um, released a press release through their communications director, giving guidance on media on how to talk about UFOs sort of skeptically and intelligently. And when I found that press release, I was motivated. Like, I'm going to share the link to that press release so everybody can see it because there's some really good, you know, brain nuggets in there for how to think mm -hmm. about UFOs. But it motivated me to reach out to CFI to see if we could get an expert on our podcast here. And they sent me one of their uh, resident research fellows, author of a dozen books, an expert on UFOs as well as conspiracy theories and other uh, relevant topics, folklorist from New Mexico. Let me welcome to the show, Ben Radford. Hey, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me on. No, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with a couple of goofballs who don't really know what we're talking about. So Absolutely. we're here for you to straighten us out. And maybe if the 12 people who listen to this podcast can get something out of it as well. The story of my life. <laughs> well, speaking of the story of your life, if anyone is listening who has never heard of Ben Radford, tell us just one or two sentences. What do you, what do, you do Ben? 
Yeah, well, I I investigate weird things uh, from a science-based perspective, sort of bringing in folklore, uh, critical thinking, things like that. So uh, that's what we do at the Center for Inquiry is trying to examine any number of weird things, including, of course, UFOs, psychics, uh, alternative medicine, Bigfoot, ghosts, take your pick, but through a, 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 a science-based perspective. So some might call us skeptics, which is fine, but it's really sort of more like, hey, man, where's the evidence? Where's the beef, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about skeptics. Everybody comes out at skeptics like sometimes like, oh, you're just trying to be raining on our parade. And it's like, no, they want evidence because they would love for this to be real, too. I mean, I'm like, I want this. <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I want this. Absolutely. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, Bigfoot, I I, I wrote a book on chupacabras and uh, Mm. I would love to have found these things. I mean, so, so, you know, my, I'm not this sort of naysaying, dismissive debunker of things. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes I end up debunking things, but it's not because I I hate them or I don't want them to be true. It's because ain't good evidence, guys. It's the follow the evidence. So I teach at the college. I sometimes teach intro to philosophy classes and uh, critical thinking skills classes. And I try to just introduce young adults to the idea that being skeptical means being interested in evidence. Exactly. It's not being a denier, like a improperly named climate skeptic. Those people are not philosophical skeptics. They are deniers. Exactly. What drew you to this, Ben? What started you down the path of investigating odd claims? Well, you know, like like most kids, uh, young teens, whatever else, I was interested. You know, I was interested in weird things because mm-hmm. they're weird, right? <laughs> How can <laughs> who isn't interested in weird things? They're inherently interesting. And you know, so when I was a teenager, I was growing up and I was watching, you know, in search of and science fiction films and, sure. and about allegedly true things, you know, Triangle, Bigfoot. I remember very clearly. I was I was I would go to uh, a local used bookstore and I'd get my allowance money. I'd I come home with armloads of books. I just mm-hmm. Probably if someone saw me from a distance, <laughs> like, what is that mound of shambling books doing? <laughs> uh, and I would go and I would just read these things during the summertime, like, oh, these like, oh, this is so cool. You know, there's psychics and there's the Loch Ness mm-hmm. monster. And I would I would read all these. And then after a while, I sort of realized that there wasn't much actual investigation. Mm-hmm. It was mostly like, you know, it is said that. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you know, an anonymous person saw something. I'm like, oh, uh, who is this anonymous person? How do we tell <laughs> that is? And so I sort of, I, I began by, you know, being fascinated by the world and all the, all the mysteries, and I still am. But as I sort of grew up, I got a degree in psychology and I got more interested in actual investigations. And so that was when I sort of dawned on me that I could actually turn this into some semblance of a career. And I've somehow managed to do that. Well, congratulations on living the dream. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, cause the things I investigate, again, we can talk about UFOs, but I've done, I did a book on lake monsters and crop circles, whatever it is. I'm happy to go in the field and investigate. So I'm not some ivory tower. Well, that can't be true. I say, I'm like, <laughs> let's go find out, man. Let's go, yeah, let's go check it out. I'm more of the ivory tower guy because uh, I'm like to be comfortable. I need air conditioning to be on while I'm doing research. Wow, a little, little delicate flower here, man. Yeah, even when I wrote an article about the Creation Museum, I did go and do field work, but only because the museum was air conditioned. I'm one of the, I'm the type where I'm like the uh, the intern. You pay five dollars an hour to touch the space rock. Let's see what <laughs> happens to him. Jesse, eat this. <laughs> eat this right. We'll see where this conversation goes in a few minutes, but I definitely invited you on to talk about the recent media attention to UFOs, which I think 
can safely, we can circle the calendar June 25th as the date of the release of this report. What were you thinking on June 24th, knowing that this supposed report was about to be released? What were you anticipating? Well, there's a couple things here. I've been doing this type of work for almost 24, 25 years now. Mm. And I say that not to brag, or if it is indeed a brag, but instead to point out that I have some perspective. That is, (laughs) I have repeatedly seen people claiming that the next UFO revelation is coming next year. And, you know, the Bigfoot is going to be proven any day now. (laughs) I heard that in 1978. I heard that in 1982. I heard that in 98 and so on. And so there's this sort of uh, this this vanishing horizon of evidence. And th- this occurs in, in UFOs, Bigfoot, Ghost. I mean, take your pick. Mm-hmm. There's, there's these the, the believers, the cadre of believers who are just sure. They're, they're, they're just so certain that the, 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 the proof is just around the corner. Just you wait. The, the, the truth is going to come out about UFOs and so on and so on. Um, and so I've heard this before. So let me... <laughs> Let me uh, let me just let, let me just take a seat. So you know, I I I had expected that it was actually going to be more or less as it was, which is mm-hmm. the nature of these these UFO sightings or UAP sightings or PUA or where the hell they are is that they're inherently ambiguous, right? I mean, if right if the videos were clear, then we would know what they are. They would Same. be identified instead of unidentified. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> and, and can, I, can I interject real quick? Because you wouldn't be able to answer this question. Why is it that we always have shitty video? Like, I'm just thinking like an iPhone could take all these gorgeous pictures. I could see the pores on people's <laughs> faces. And, and up there, you know, it's like, it looks like they have a rabbit ear TV. Like, I think we got the picture. Mm-hmm. Right. Hold on. Yeah. What's no, going on? You're well, there's a couple things that are going on here. And again, this applies. I mean, we're talking about UFOs right now, mm-hmm. but it, it yeah. also applies to, to Bigfoot. I mean, the fact is that, you know, to this day, the best alleged evidence for Bigfoot was shot in 1967 mm-hmm. during the Johnson administration. <laughs> this is this is the famous Patterson Gimlin film, right? So mm-hmm. to, to this day, you talk to Bigfoot believers they are like, well, if you look at this film, I'm like, dude, come on, man, this is, you know, and it's the same thing with UFOs. Uh, and, to, and so the, to answer your question. The reason why these these videos and these photos are so shitty is because they have to be, because mm-hmm. there's this sort of Goldilocks zone, in which whatever whatever it is whether it's you know photo allegedly photo or video of a ghost of a of UFO Bigfoot whatever it is if it's if it's too clear then you know as as uh, as Jerry was saying we know what it is it's identified it's you know it's it's this it's that whatever else on the other hand. If it's too fuzzy, if it's too garbagey, if if there's nothing there, then we don't pay attention to it because it, it's so it has to be in this sort of you know this sort of Goldilocks zone of it has to be weird enough to be noticed, but not mm. so weird that it's like you know it, it's identifiable. So that's part of the answer. Yeah, there's um a part of our our brain that when things are fuzzy tries to identify it. That's why people see faces and wood right. and things like that. So these fuzzy images, our brain, almost subconsciously, is working to figure out what it is, but it's unidentified. So it makes these random associations. Yeah, I mean, in a, yeah. In a way. Or, or wish-fulfilling. Maybe not random is not the right word. Like, well, if you no, see, I mean, 
Yeah, it's a combination of it's what psychology would call pareidolia. So it's why we see faces oh. and you know and you know Homer Simpson in, in beer stains and, and all these things. So that's that's part of what's going on. But with UFOs, you have the added barrier of there being uh, lots and lots of things in the night sky, right? There's there's any number of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, look look at it this way. Like if, if you're on a lake, if you're in the woods, there's only a handful of things that if you see something big. <laughs> and fuzzy in the distance it could be jesse you know taking <laughs> who, who knows what it is uh-huh. but run but away you, run away people do, do not approach <laughs> away when something like this happened <laughs> well but this is the thing right is it is it the there's a there's a bit of a difference because in the sky um number one if you don't know the distance you don't know the size and so you know is that glowing object is it is it 10 feet away and tiny is it 50 miles away and huge? It's very, mm. very difficult because mm. there's nothing to compare it to. And plus, you, you, you've got satellites, you've got comets, you've got you got balloons. Mm. There's all sorts of things in the sky that could be mistaken for something at least temporarily unexplained. Neil deGrasse Tyson has pointed out, and I shared an article with Jesse, and I'm sure this will totally be on your radar, Ben, that one of the most commonly misidentified you, what the fuck is that objects, is the moon. Yes, Oh and yeah, that and when Venus. You, yeah. When you say that out loud, it sounds patently absurd. But it's just as you say, especially in a big city like New York where the sky is broken up and there's clouds and reflections, people just look up and don't know what they're seeing like naturally if it's if there's anything odd about it, it's a what the fuck moment. Yeah, and you know, and one thing that's really remarkable about the recent UFO videos, because there's, there's, as you guys know, there's been a handful of their, their, the, uh, their videos that were obtained, uh, and the, the origin is the U.S. Navy. Mm-hmm. So there's about a half dozen videos. There's different kinds. I'm not, I won't go into all of them. Sure. If people are interested, there's a really good uh, explanation. If people go to Metabunk, M-E-T-A-Bunk, okay. I think it's dot org. Uh, Mick West has an excellent. Uh, breakdown, you know, frame by frame. He does uh, Metabunk okay. is, is really the, the the go-to source. Well, I'll put Metabunk in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow up. Yeah, but I just but uh, the point I want to make is that is that you know when, when you look at these videos, and I've watched I've watched all of them many times. <laughs> uh, God help me. Is that one thing that jumps out at you? Is that people say, well, do you think it's fake? I'm like. Did you see it? Do you see how boring and mundane this shit is? Why would you bother to fake this? This is not, this is nothing. This is not interesting. It's, it's this thing in the distance. It's the videos themselves are supremely astonishingly mundane. There's nothing there. The, the only reason that it's sort of built up as a mystery is that you have these mystery mongers who say, well, yes, but you know, the, uh, the pilot who saw this, said that it moved at this angle, this and that, and they right. don't account for, for camera movement and things like that. So the videos themselves are really r- remarkably unremarkable. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the alleged context that, that in which they occurred right. that, that sort of makes it a mystery. Well, that's where as, a, as a, uh, a professional folklorist, we find that a lot of these, maybe we'll say urban legends, come with folklore. Like there's stories, yeah. you know, and uh, Orson Welles did his War of the Worlds. He was telling a story. And then there was a boom period of people seeing Martians, but no one was seeing Martians right. before that. And if we go back to the medieval era, and I'm going to make a vast generalization so you can correct me or feel free to email me, anyone who wants to correct me, comicalheathen at gmail.com. People would see saints, right? There were saint sightings in the medieval mm-hmm. period. And there, I'm sure there are still saint sightings today here and there, but there were no alien sightings. 
because the stories that were important to those cultures was of being visited by saints, not of being visited by Martians. Uh, I, I wish I could correct you on this, but but unfortunately, you're pretty much right. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But it, wasn't just, it wasn't just saints. There were actually reports of flying saints. Oh, nice. Yeah, I did I did some research on that. There there were sightings of I I think this is cool, right? You're like, you know, you're hanging around, it's like you know, 1820 in some mm-hmm. village in Hamburg, and you're like, oh, there's a flying saint there. This is not this is not this is pre-flying nun time, guy. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just what is that? Is that is that Father O'Brien? Oh, it sure is. I uh, look, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's St. Patrick's. <laughs> Hey, I do want to say just a couple things about the report. And if you, uh, Jesse or Ben, want to add in, I do want to say this report itself is now available online. The whole document is only nine pages long, and that includes a cover page and two appendix pages. So the report is only six pages. And it's it's double spaced. Oh, yeah. Uh, Large fonts. Big fonts. Yes. That's why it's a nice little clip art there, you know, from like 1995 clip art. It's awesome. And it, it was done three minutes before deadline, college student stuff, really. So people can look this report up if you just want to look at it for yourself. And it's sufficiently vague. It's, it says, it, <laughs> I mean, it basically says we need to do more research. That's like, sure. Just, just been unexplained, as they call them, UAPs, and we need more research. That, that's the whole report in uh, five words. Yeah, and that's and that's about what I expected. I mean, look, the, the, <laughs> the fact is that, you know, if, if people say, you know, is there such a thing as UFOs or UAPs? The answer is yes, absolutely. All, all that means is unidentified flying object or aerial phenomena. So, so if 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 all you mean by that is, are there things in the skies that ordinary people and even sometimes pilots and others don't recognize? Of course there is. Why why wouldn't there be? All that means is that something isn't immediately identified under those conditions from that angle, from that distance and so on. So of course UFOs exist. That's not the question. The question is, are they some sort of extraterrestrial craft coming from other galaxies and doing, doing things on video that, that are impossible by our current physics? And the answer is no. If you take a close look at them, uh, they're eminently explainable. Which is why I'm trying to rebrand the whole phenomenon, not UAPs, but UWTFOs, because I think that captures the average person looking up in the sky and going, whoa, what's that? What the fuck is that? I don't know what that is. I mean, that's humans that's being humans. I that's mean, right. so start a petition. I'll sign it. Yeah, it. thank you. Thank you. We're good. Uh, you, me, Jesse, and our mutual friend, Ian Harris, is going to make this happen. Only, only, <laughs> if we, only if we all come together and storm Area 51 while we're at it, right? <laughs> we need answers. A small detail I don't want to lose track of. It might be the comedian in me, but this document comes from the Department of Intelligence. I looked it up and I wrote down the head of the department, uh, which is um, Avril Haynes is the current head of the department that issued this report. I only point that out because that does sound like the kind of name an alien would give themselves if they came to Earth and didn't know how to pick a name. Kind of like Ford Prefect in the Hitchhiker's Guide. Avril Haynes sounds like a made up name for an alien alias. Sort of just saw the back of somebody's underwear. What's your name? Haynes. Haynes. And Avril Haines. Lane was playing in the background. <laughs> you know, suddenly it's Avril Haynes. That's, like that's a human sounding name, isn't it? They essentially just did uh, what Back to the Future did. Like, what's your name? Kevin, Calvin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> it's all hey, good, man. What are you ben, do? one other thing here. I'm also myself old enough to remember a period, let's say, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s, 
where there was a kind of boom of UFO sightings, which are now, let's just say, correlated with the stealth bomber. Yes. And maybe some other parallel technology as well. And again, I, uh, you can comment on that. But the question I want to ask is, do you think a report like this, which is sufficiently ambiguous and is called unclassified, by the way, actually is also intentional from defense? Like, aren't they creating a little bit of confusion around their own projects? Or are they not that smart? No, that, that, that's a fair question. I think there's, there's, there's a couple angles to it. I mean, number one is that, you know, the, the, the Department of Defense has a history of uh, sort of playing with UFO believers and conspiracy folks. You see this, for example, with Area 51. Area 51, it's a real place. It's not fictional. I mean, it's, it's an actual military base. And you, you occasionally see the, I mean, the Defense Department doesn't spend a lot of time debunking UFO claims because they're like, we got better stuff to do. And, 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 and furthermore, more to the point, they recognize that no matter what they say, people aren't going to believe it. So even if even if next week or tomorrow, uh, they released all the information, they, they literally emptied the vault and said, here it is. People are going to say, oh, what didn't they show us? Like, well, <laughs> like, there's they're, right. they're, they, they can't win. They can't win because no right. matter no matter what they say, no matter what explanations they put out there, uh, the, the hardcore believers say, well, that's the cover story. But what's right. really going on? So that, that's part of it. And it's, I think that it's it's fair to say that 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 there, along with with the rise of, of stealth aircraft, uh, is particularly being tested in Nevada and elsewhere. You're going to be seeing people dis describing weird things in the sky. Right. Again, that that's that isn't inherently strange and mysterious because the fact is that the U.S. government is is known to have and should have, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a program for testing it. We aircraft and furthermore it's also not a good idea for the u.s government and the dod to tell everybody <laughs> including putin <laughs> uh, and and right. king jamil uh, what's going on so there so the the defense industry uh has a legitimate vested interest mm -hmm. in keeping some things close to the vest and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're hiding aliens and ufos it just right. means that there's 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 legitimate reasons for not Right. Forthcoming about every last thing. And there's an, uh, a kind of um, ironic element to this element of the story, which is to say the Defense Department and Lockheed and sure. test aircrafts and whatever, is that nothing that they produce defies the laws of physics. Right. So even if it's a strange thing, again, that the person on the ground is like, what the fuck is that? That is not synonymous with has defied the known laws of physics. You're exactly right. And so this is this is why, again, the, the context of a lot of these UFOs is that people are claiming, including on 60 Minutes. I mean, I there was mm -hmm. a 60 Minutes aired uh, a month, six weeks ago. And you know, had this guy, Luis Alzando and others who are sort of, and it's mm -hmm. getting a lot of play. It got played with Leslie Keene in the New York Times and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so you have otherwise credible journalists who are, who are covering the story not right. as not as critically as i would like them to right but you have people who, who are doing this and so it, it lends legitimacy to it and and that's fine i mean I, you know if people want to you know investigate ufos go knock mm -hmm. yourself out man <laughs> have fun i don't have a problem with that but but you know at some point you're like when you when you take a close look at the videos as as, as right. west and others has done the the things they hang their hats on right they say well if you look at this video you, the, you know, this object makes a 90 degree turn in a split second, and that defies laws of physics. 
different. Well, it would if the camera hadn't moved. When you stabilize <laughs> the image, it doesn't do that. So right. come on. Something I noticed uh, when you talk about journalists in a way, you know, not doing a, a very good job in a way. I think that UFOs are generally like a fluffed human interest story, not yeah. a hard journalism. And one of the things is, I'm going to say like a professional UFO enthusiast, the authors of books. I don't have anyone in particular in mind. I'm just going to make a generalization. I feel like a professional journalist, if they did background research, would easily uncover contradictory statements. That in one interview, person X might have said this happened, but in another interview, use different numbers or different dimensions or different figures. And it's clear that amongst, uh, let's just say some, and I am making a sweeping generalization, the professional UFO enthusiasts, that stuff is just getting made up along the way. Yeah. And journalists never like fact check that. The, the, they rarely do. I mean, there's been a handful of cases. I mean, there's there's one one off the top of my head is the case of Bob Lazar, uh, who was a guy who who uh, emerged in the in the sort of the wake of the Area 51 stuff. Mm. And he claimed to have worked at Area 51 and he had, he had all these first person accounts of, you know, I was there and, you know, I was I worked there and I, I saw alien bodies and all sorts of things. And and he was he was actually interviewed in silhouette by the local news. I think it was in Nevada <laughs> somewhere in, in Las Vegas. And he is this big, very dramatic, you know, bum 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 bum. You know, the lid is being blown off. And then people are like, "What's this guy's name? Hold on!" <laughs> so they start digging in, and his story just falls apart like a house of cards. Excellent. Just the whole thing, and everyone's and but to this day. His name is still brought up as if, well, you know, Bob Lazar, like, you know that that was deep. Even the believers are like, this guy's full of shit. Like, you don't need to be a skeptic. So like, but still, they can find somebody who's going to, you know, who's going to, who's going to put him out there. Another concept relevant to this, but relevant to other, let's say, urban legends and conspiracy theories. I can't remember if Jesse, in an earlier episode, I might have discussed this with our mutual friend, Dan Brown. In class, another key concept I often introduce is Occam's Razor. That, you know, if you're going to like say it could be a cloud or it could be an alien spacecraft or even it could be a military plane or an alien spacecraft, the law of the economy of ideas prefers, until there's better evidence anyway, a more terrestrial explanation. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. It's an important principle in, in critical thinking and skepticism, right? Basically, the idea is that you shouldn't unnecessarily uh, multiply hypotheses, right? So if, right. if you only need two things to be true to to explain something for one theory and you need mm -hmm. five things to be true to the other theory it's not hard and fast i mean it's you know yes. there are exceptions and but for the most part that's the best most pars uh, parsimonious explanation i did have um in my teen years a kind of ufo experience uh bennett but did you ever like have that what the fuck moment yourself of something in the sky I did. In fact, yeah, I, I, I remember very, very clearly. I was uh, going, I was attending the University of New Mexico. Uh, so this would have been 93 or so. And I was commuting from my home where I grew up in Corrales to Albuquerque. And I remember very clearly I was, I was, it was um, say mid morning about 8.30, 8.30 or 9. And I was parked at a, at a stoplight to get onto the, the freeway. I looked over to my left over the city of Albuquerque, uh, which is mm -hmm. which, with the, the Sandia Mountains in the background. And I saw a huge glowing white disc. And again, this is 8.30 in the morning and I'm just sitting there. And I'm, so I'm, I'm facing this way. I look over to my left and I'm like, what the hell? And I'm, I'm just staring at it. 
I'm thinking this is going to make the news. And this, this is before cell phones. I'm thinking Albuquerque is going to be panicked because there must be millions of people seeing this giant glowing disc over the city. I'm seeing it clear as day. It's right there. I'm not making this up. This is not a hallucination. It's fucking right there. As I'm watching this, uh, the light turns green and the car to my left moves forward. And as it moves forward, I notice the glowing disc moves at the exact same rate. And wow. I realized that it was the sun coming over the mountains, hitting the, the side of the window on the car to my right, being reflected off the inside of my windshield on the driver's <laughs> side right there. And I swear it looked exact. I mean, if you'd put a gun to my head and said, <laughs> is, is that a glowing disc over at Albuquerque that's you know, two miles wide? I would say, yes, it is. But in that moment... I was, uh, my sure. blood was draining. I think my ball shrunk a couple millimeters. I don't know. It was, like, it was just creepy as hell. And I then, never but, recovered. But I'm, I'm, be I'm better now. Thanks for asking. Um, but, 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 let me, but let me tell you, and then, and then, and then the mystery was solved within, I'm like, wow, mind blown. And so this is one reason why as a skeptic, as an investigator, I'm sympathetic when people tell me I saw Bigfoot. I saw UFO. I saw this. I saw that. So because like, I don't doubt that you saw that, but what you saw may not be what you think you saw. It's mind blowing that it seemed to turn out that what you saw was ultimately the sun, only the biggest, brightest object in the sky. <laughs> right. But again, reflections, perspective, angles, things just can get sort of Picasso really quick. I'm referring to shifting planes that Picasso yes. has in his paintings. Things can get really Picasso really quick. When I was in high school, I had a, uh, I still have, I'm still very good friends, but I had my um, best friend, my brother from another mother. Our birthdays are four days apart, so it was quite a lengthy labor. This was in the mid-80s, so no computer games, no air conditioning. You had to make your own fun with sticks. And we would go in the summer on this nighttime adventures. And again, we weren't like robbing anyone or doing crimes. We would just wander. I'm sure our parents were mortified. One night around midnight, we spotted some weird lights in the sky. I don't think either of us thought they were per se, shall we say, alien technology. But it was like, what the fuck are those lights? And we like looked and shrugged and we went on like hobbits on a journey. We just <laughs> awesome. walked towards those lights, which two or three hours later, and we're going through fields and cutting between factories and it's nuts. No one would let their kids do this in the year 2021. And to get to our punchline, as we got sufficiently close, like a block or two away, all it was, was a car dealership with spotlights in its parking lot. Wow. <laughs> and so from like miles away, there were like weird bands of light and right. flashing lights. And we didn't know what the fuck it was. And it turned into, you know, an adventure story again, sort of as a, almost as a folklorist, let's go on a journey and solve this mystery. Yeah. And, and I, I love that story for a couple of reasons. One is that, is that you did something which most people wouldn't do and don't do, which is actually investigate. And one of the biggest reasons why there are unexplained mysteries in the world, uh, and I know this because I've, I've solved many of them, is that people don't put in the time and the effort to investigate. I've, I've investigated lots of dozens and dozens of cases, mm -hmm. and I've solved them not because I'm the smartest guy in the round. I'm just the idiot that put in the time and the effort and, <laughs> and kept going. And so, and that, I mean, that's, it's a truism. Uh, all, all the mysteries out there, oftentimes they're not inherently unexplainable or mysterious. It's that people give up before they find out what the hell it is. It sort of gives a twist to the old TV show, Unsolved Mysteries. If it's just a matter of like, 
did you go and look? (laughs) (laughs) You would think that'd be the first question they ask. Like, real quick, did you did you look? (laughs) No. Okay, we have a pilot. (laughs) That's like we got an episode. So here's an interesting thing that happened to me. So I was uh, doing a gig in uh, Salt Forks, right? Salt Forks is known for uh, Bigfoot uh, sightings, right? And my buddy and I, after the show, it's 11 o'clock at night. There was this like trail that's pitch black. You can't see anything. We have our cell phone lights. We're filming a, ooh, we're going to find Bigfoot, right? And we had a weird moment. And again, like I said, in that moment, I lived in a world where either Bigfoot existed or two redneck guys had night vision goggles like, let's fuck with the city slicker. <laughs> One of those two happened. So I'm going to explain what happened. All right, so I ran out of walking next to a chair. My buddy is on this side of me. All of a sudden, a rock hit me in the foot on my right side. He's on my left. My mm-hmm. right side came hurling towards me, hit my foot. I look at him, I, I think he did it. Like maybe he went behind my back and tossed something. Then something hit him, but on his opposite side, his left side, I'm on his right. And at that moment, I like went bucket and I ran and I left my buddy to die. Theoretically, <laughs> good, good. I didn't yell, let's book it. I just ran <laughs> and said, fuck it. And then he ran afterwards. And at that point, it was just two of the fattest comedians running up a hill. <laughs> and whoever was the fattest, will be the sacrifice. <laughs> you know, and you did or did not hear banjos. We went back that night with friends. We're like, try to debunk what the hell happened. I even, and then I started Googling shit. I was like, because oh, <laughs> apparently what we did to possibly provoke this sighting is that there, there was on the website, it said, if you take a stick and you hit a tree three times, it's like their call sign. I don't know how true that is, but I did it. I, I think I know how true it is, but go on. Yeah, <laughs> It's I, a known I know. fact. Yes. <laughs> so for all I know, again, I, I could have had the, the hillbillies from Deliverance like, oh, we're going to fuck with them. You got a pretty mouth there, Jesse. (laughs) Jesse, I don't want to frighten you, but you know, I've done a lot of research on this, and that is how raptors hunt. (laughs) That sounds legit to me, man. (laughs) John Hammond's island was real. Jurassic Park was a thing. (laughs) You know what? Let's just move on. (laughs) Let's just move on, all right? Hey, um, Ben, in your many years of research, besides UFOs, is there something that you've... um, uncovered that you just think is really interesting that maybe people don't know as much about or that you don't get a chance to talk about that often on other people's podcasts or interviews honestly there's been so many things i mean i did a book on on evil clowns and uh yes i I did a book called bad Bad clowns about evil clown sightings and um so there was the whole phantom clown phenomena in 2016 as you may recall yeah, give us a teaser about killer clowns. What 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 was that all about? If you could just say a couple sentences, that sure, make someone sure. want to go read your book. The the book itself uh, is uh, it's basically a, a history and cultural history and folkloric history of evil clowns and scary okay. clowns. So not just not just incompetent clowns because we all know some and <laughs> yeah. some people voted for one. Um, <laughs> but, um, but these are just just malicious clowns, and so mm-hmm. it goes back to you know actually goes back to ancient Greece. You have uh, old clowns and Harlequin. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course you had you know killer clowns from outer space and Stephen King and Pennywise and this uh, and the Joker of course. But um, wh- among the last chapters, I, I sort of talk about the the phantom clowns, mm-hmm. and basically these these were uh, alleged clowns that emerged in the 1980s that were said to lurk around and 
almost kidnap kids. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned almost because they never actually did it. They were <laughs> reported as clowns coming up. And, and so it was this really interesting folkloric study where the adults never saw them. They were sort of schoolyard rumors about people coming out of clowns and, you know, and this giant clown with a chainsaw and a machete and an Uzi came out and chased after me. But I threw my book at him and my my chemistry textbook injured him seriously, grievously. And I managed to escape and like, all right, Jimmy. Anyway, (laughs) so but this is this is this is what happened. So there was this whole this whole phantom clown thing. And shortly after my book came out, uh, there was, was the was when we had. The, all the, the clowns and so you had clowns you know in in, in south carolina and boston elsewhere that were suddenly these evil clowns were appearing on social media threatening to kill people they were, they were actually clown lockdowns there was oh, yeah. the lockdown yeah yeah i mean yeah jesse knows he's probably one of them and <laughs> yep. uh so yeah it's just and but the whole thing evaporated so basically in a nutshell it was a combination of a handful of pranks, like you know, some mm-hmm. teenager, probably like you, know, you goofuses, who'd be like, "Oh, I, I'm gonna put on a clown and you know, cruise around the Walmart parking lot, scare the shit out of some, you know, some pensioner." Mm-hmm. So you had that, and then you had pensioners is British, of course. I'm, I'm throwing that. I don't know why. So mm-hmm. then you, then you had the copycats. So people mm-hmm. who see other people are like, "Hey, dude, dude, we should do this, right?" So you have these people who are like doing their thing. And then you had these, these sort of urban legends that were floating around um, that were sort of based on nothing at all. So these all mm. combined and exploded uh, nationwide, uh, in mm-hmm. fact, internationally. There were the reports in, in, in the UK and mm. Holland and elsewhere. So, so in nutshell, t- that was the, the clown panic. And it's so crazy how that spreads like wildfire. As you as you said, you have the the, the first wave of people who did, then the copycats, and then it's a fad, and it's it's so fascinating how this stuff just hooks on to people that they need to do it. But yeah. in that, in that, like, uh, say, cycle that you describe, I don't know. I just want to ask this to be sure for myself: Is it confirmed that there's an early stage where there were pranksters? Like, do we know that for sure, or is that still anecdotal? No, no, no. It, that, that's a good question. Uh, so here's the thing. So, so again, the the origin of the, of the phantom clowns, that is, clowns that were said to threaten right. and then sort of vanish. It, it pretty that that pretty clearly dates back to the, uh, the early 80s 83 84 okay and there were other things going on for example there's the satanic panic you may be aware of and this and that so the, there are lots of other cultural things going mm-hmm. on i lived through that too yeah we, we, we were there so that's the origins and there was never any proof they existed as far mm-hmm. as we can tell they were basically imaginary folkloric almost mass hysteria figures sure when you bring it up to the modern time when you bring it up to 2016 there we know for a fact there were some people who were doing this there were people that were arrested for threatening okay. their schools uh so there were a handful i'm going to say maybe a dozen give or take sure uh people who were you know again teens who put on a clown mask right. and scared people shitless and so there were some arrests uh okay. but at the same time there were also hoaxes there are people that there was one woman i was reading about who she said she was late late to work at mcdonald's i'm not making this up at mcdonald's because a clown came out and attacked her on her way to work well she later she later confessed that she made the whole thing up mm. but you had this blend of a handful of actual mm. cases where people were dressed okay. as clowns and then copycats and then sort of hoaxes all blended together for this phenomenon. 
this seltzer of <laughs> this, silliness. This moment of cultural history. Yes. Which, which is why the aliens, as Jesse pointed out, are not coming. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah. you know what? We're, they we're spotted that. They're still on the killer clown phase. We're not ready. They're not ready for us. I literally, they just look at us like we're just ants. Like, what are you guys doing down there? You know, we're like, you guys are just screwing it up. Like, <laughs> that's how I well, do it. I just, when they get a little bit cooler, we'll contact them. But first, it's just like... We're, we are not a planet of Fonzies, that's for sure. We're not a planet of Fonzies. It's kind of... I always attribute it to my, me and my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife, she liked me. She was interested in me in high school, but she did not want to date me in high school because she saw I was an immature loser who was just a prick. And I had to mature before we got together. I'm so going to I'm gonna that. say that as she matured, she learned to accept your immaturity. I that haven't too. actually seen the evidence of your maturity in that. <laughs> okay, all right. Could be that, you, too. You know, could be that. Ben, on every um, comedy podcast, the comedians always end with shout-outs for upcoming gigs or anything they want to plug. So before we finish up, and I will have some thank yous at the end, but let's go around the table. Um, I already mentioned myself in my opening that I have a video up right now that you can see with the Kansas City Fringe Festival of me doing the Comical Heathen live show. So please consider checking that out. There'll be a link in the description. And I'm gonna be doing the the Comical Heathen live show in August in the Kentucky Fringe live. So look for more information about that in August. And I have other gigs coming up at different comedy clubs. Jesse, what do you got to plug? Uh, Check me me out for all my live dates at www.jessepimpanella.com. You can find me on all sorts of social media platforms at Comic Jesse Pimpinella. And also, uh, I, I, I want to announce it here, not officially yet, but I'm announcing it. Mm-hmm. Right now, my comedy special is in review with a certain channel right now to be released. And I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited. Uh, once I once I get the official word, I trust me, there's not going to be a mountain that I haven't climbed to yodel into. <laughs> well, right, congr- I promise you. Congratulations. Have, there, there's going to be a fad where there's cows shaved on the side, Jesse Pimpinella. Cow shaving. With a date. Uh, but yes, uh, but right now it's tentatively for July 31st. So keep an eye on my website, everybody. This is big and I'm very excited about this. And uh, Ben, I have one more plug before I get to you and you'll see why when I say it. People who know me and Jesse, or if you're just encountering us for the first time, Jesse and I are part of a comedy team called the Action Comedy Nerd Show. And we do shows at comic book conventions and anime cons. And due to the nightmare past 15 plus months of the pandemic, all of those sorts of shows have been shut down. Well, as as the world reawakens, the Action Comedy Nerd Show reawakens. And we actually are booked to appear at the Indiana Comic Con this upcoming October. So look for more information about that. But the Action Comedy Nerd Show is back. So, Ben, what do you got to plug? What do you want people to know about? Well, uh, unlike Jesse, my my probation agreement prohibits cow shaving. Uh, however, you can check me out on my podcast called Squaring the Strange. Uh, S-Q-A-R-I-N-G, The Strange. Uh, it comes out every couple of weeks. I have a couple of co-hosts. And uh, I'm also on Facebook and, uh, and the Twitters and things like that. And uh, actually, this is just recently confirmed. I will be appearing at Dragon Con. The, so exciting. The massive nerd fest. I, I actually co-founded the Skeptics track there. So I'm looking forward to going back. And uh, and it'll be my first, uh, first post-pandemic thing. So, mm. uh, well, I'm jealous. But to you and Jesse, uh, you give me whatever you want. And I'll make sure that links and things are included in the show notes so people can follow up with 
all of these uh, hints and clues and things to do. So uh, it just remains for me to shout out some thank yous. Uh, of course, um, I want to thank you, Jesse, for being my guest co-host. And thank you, Ben, for being our guest expert on you. What the fuck is that, Objects? And then also, I always make a point to thank the musicians who did our theme music. You can hear Mark Bell playing the famous Skinner organ on the campus of Lake Erie College, playing beautiful Bach music that was remixed by my friend Jeff Geddert, who's also an audio advisor on this podcast. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, if you made it all the way to the end of this episode. Atheismo, bless you. We really appreciate you. Feel free to share, like, email us if you have suggestions, questions comicalheathen at gmail.com. And otherwise, thank you for listening. And as always, I just want to say, it may be your dogma, but it's my karma. And I'm all about spreading the love. <laughs>